You're listening to Business Day with me, Liz Parkin, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network. Each episode, I'll talk to a different business about what makes them tick. So whether you're a startup, you've been in business a number of years, or you're a large multinational, I'd love to hear from you. Business Day is sponsored by Hibbert Solicitors, Cheshire's leading law firm. Visit hibberts.com or call 01270 624 225. Hello and welcome to the Business Day podcast and I'm talking to Paul Ward who is the Managing Director of Blue Orchid. Hello and welcome to the podcast Paul. Hello, thanks for having me. Tell us a bit about Blue Orchid. They're an organisation that's been around for a long time and I know we used to be involved with them as Redshift. They were sponsors of Redshift, our business show, many, many moons ago. So it's great to reconnect with you. Tell us about Blue Orchid and what you do exactly. So Blue Orchid, frankly, we've been running for I think 18 years now. Predominantly, we started up as a startup business. We were helping people from a variety of different geographies to start a business. A lot of people used to come to us to work out a plan of actually being able to get their business from idea or conception through to actually starting to trade and then supporting them through their first year's worth of trade. So the business really started there 18 years ago and kind of developed on from there. We're a private limited company and we bid for a variety of public sector contracts. And in some cases, we win them. Sometimes we don't. But we really follow our noses in terms of what contracts are coming out, where we feel we can add benefit to the local economy. And then we man that project up with qualified, experienced business advisors or consultants, trainers, mentors, coaches, to try and provide the right information for the businesses that are inquiring with us at the right time. So we really focus on very practical guidance and support to help businesses to start up. And then over time, that's developed. We've got involved in apprenticeship training over the years. We've worked on more finance-type contracts, so more recently we've started offering grant funding now to businesses that are already trading and more formalized to help them either grow, develop. In some cases, we've got involved in energy efficiency programs, helping people reduce their carbon footprint, all the way through to more recently, providing grant funding and finance for those trying to deal with the issues and barriers that COVID-19 created for them in this unprecedented time of the pandemic we're facing. So yeah, it's quite a variety of support we've ended up delivering now. We're kind of involved in all of those fields in some way or another. What kind of areas is it you cover? In terms of startup, it's the full business planning and financial planning. So within our knowledge pool, for want of a better phrase, we have business advisors. Most of them have run their own businesses before or have been trained and qualified in the relevant qualifications and accreditations. Basically hold people's hand to take them through marketing, finance, pricing, market research. We conduct things like management training or SWOT analysis with people to make sure we can identify what their weaknesses are and how we can overcome them. We get involved in a lot of business training. So we cover areas such as mental health in the workplace. I mean, that's something that's become Mm. a lot more prevalent recently. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of staff have been struggling with the furlough, being based at home or just with home working. So we've seen that develop quite a lot this year in terms of there being more requests for mental health in the workplace, how to manage mental health generally. So that's become very, very popular. Got to say, I'm glad to see it because I think it's always been there as a need. Yeah, it's just never really been prioritised, mm-hmm. and um, it's good to see that now coming through. I think it's a general consideration for most business people now to be thinking about offering that to the staff and for themselves mm. actually to make sure you know they're, they're not only managing their own business but the mental health mm-hmm. of their employees. We get involved in contingency planning, project management. We've obviously had to run a variety of events the last six months in line with the new demand that has been created from COVID-19. 
one thing in particular that we've had to adapt our style is understanding what the varying government announcements have been related to business. Right, yeah. So we've got a team of four or five of, them in, of our staff now internally whose job it is solely, it seems these days, to <laughs> interpret the government guidance, read all the boring documents oh, that my word. nobody wants to read. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's not me. Um, I hope you keep them well stocked that. with good biscuits and nice cups of tea. <laughs> with good biscuits and a bottle of wine at the end of the week, absolutely. <laughs> Every time there's a government announcement, they interpret the guidance, they read the documents for each different sector. And then somehow, cut it to them, they make it very relatable, put that together into a presentation that we now start to deliver online via Zoom or some of the go-to products that are available on there. So we have a variety of different products now that we deliver across online. When it first happened, the pandemic, we were offering this UK-wide because there didn't seem to be enough of that happening at the time. So I think we were one of the first in the country, actually, to start offering these free business advice sessions where we were interpreting that government guidance explaining to people what furlough meant. Unless you've been watching a few war films where I think furlough was mentioned. Yeah, yeah. I know war terminology, I think, mm. sending the soldiers home for a while. Nobody quite understood what it meant. Mm-hmm. So we put together a, a crack team, offered this on Zoom initially to anybody and everybody. And we were getting over 150 people attending each session for, I'd say, a period of six to eight weeks. Gosh. And we were running that every week. Died down since then because I think people have started to understand now more people like us are offering those types of sessions. Mm. It's become quite a saturated market, I would say. There is now a lot of events going. I think we're seeing a bit of Zoom apathy now. Yeah. There's too many things going on. Mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. trying to now, for businesses, I guess, to work out what is the most suitable session for them. We've moved on to doing podcasts for people to make it accessible for them. Mm-hmm. You know, at the moment, a lot of businesses are struggling. They're dealing with day-to-day cash flow issues. They're dealing with what they're going to do with their staff, how they're going to keep their business afloat. So they might not always have time for a scheduled Zoom session. So we've now released on our website a variety of podcasts that people can just download and listen to free of charge, wherever they're based, and hopefully that will be of help and support. I'm probably giving you about 30% of what we do there. One of the questions I wanted to ask was, has your offering changed or developed throughout COVID? But I think you've explained that quite well, really. Adapting and demonstrating that you, like any other business, needs to move with the times and needs to be able to be reactive and respond quickly to the state that we were putting in back in March. And also, you alluded to with people getting perhaps Zoom apathy, you need to keep reinventing it. Even if we are only sort of six to eight months in, we still need to do things differently to keep engaged with people and keep up with the mental health of the workplace and start looking at things like that as well. Absolutely. And it's not just about communication of content. I mean, I think what I've explained there is how we're trying to engage people or at least offer something for people to come to. Almost as a one-stop shop. If you're not sure about what's going on with these restrictions, jump on this for an hour and find out the information that you need to know. However, there is then the programs of support that we provide. Now, for those businesses that might be listening that maybe haven't accessed public sector funding before, sadly, any time there is anything to do with government funding, there is paperwork to do. And there is a set process in terms of what you have to follow to be able to access those services for free. That's not only very paperwork heavy, but what we've managed to do over the course of six months is campaign to the funders that actually we, we need to think a little bit more creatively about how we not only engage people but put people through a process. Mm. So for those businesses who are eligible in the programme areas that we deliver in, I think we'll talk about the grant programmes yeah. we do shortly, 
normally what would happen is you'd have a face-to-face meeting with a business advisor. You would put together a paper-based application. That would then be sent in via post. So there'd be a bit of a delay there. Then it would have to be assessed internally. Then we'd write back to you. And so it goes on that mm. the paperwork trail can lead to longer waiting times. Once we've got the okay from our funders that we can do things digitally, we've invested quite a lot of time, money and effort in reducing those waiting times down to a minimum. So we've now put together a grant portal program or mechanism. So people can go on our website, they can complete the application online. That will suck that information straight into our CRM system. We're able to score and assess it within a few days and then come back to them. And it just negates the whole need for face-to-face meetings. It helps, obviously, keep people safe because we're not having to cross areas to meet people in person. And it just reduces the cost of postage, time mm. element of it. It speeds things up to get those that are successful for grants the money quicker because mm. at the moment they need it. Yeah, absolutely. Before we start talking about the actual specific grants, this process that you've just talked through and how it's managed to speed it up and such like, do you think that's here to stay? Or is that literally just during this period of flux that we're in with COVID? Do you think you've developed some positive ways of doing things that are here to stay, saving money, saving time, saving postage and such like? I would certainly like to think so. I mean, my opinion on this is what the pandemic has done is forced almost a digital revolution. Yeah. I think you'll see a lot of private businesses now who will adapt a lot of this new technology. Well, it's not even new in some cases. Some of it's been there for a while. Mm -hmm. But it's forced us all to understand more what digital products are available and how Mm -hmm. they can benefit the business. Mm -hmm. I think it can help reduce overhead costs for businesses. I think it can help reduce general running costs to make people more profitable if they can utilize that technology correctly. In some cases, you need support with that, but in most cases, it's quite self-explanatory. I mean, I've never used Zoom until this year, yeah, yeah. and we, we class ourselves as experts just yeah. for the amount of time we spend on Definitely. it now. And it was probably that like it was there. You know, that kind of technology's been there for a while. We just never accessed it. We followed the norm. You know, need a meeting? We'll all get together. Mm. We're part of a consortium of delivery with other organizations around the country. And once a quarter, we'd all travel to one of our offices Mm -hmm. and have a meeting for two Mm -hmm. hours and then travel home. Which means I could have been on a train for three hours to Cumbria, having a two-hour meeting and three hours back. And it's just a waste of time. Now, it's a one-hour meeting on Zoom and I can get on with the rest of the day. It's forced that digital approach. And Mm -hmm. for us, I think now we've campaigned and proven to the funding world that this can work and you know there are ways to get your signatures on forms that don't necessarily need the travel involved mm-hmm. i think my hope is because it makes us more efficient it mm-hmm. saves money it means that the funding that's available can be spread further to the people that need it which is the actual yeah. recipient businesses so yeah i'd like to think it's not only for us private sector-based businesses but it's forcing the government to rethink their approach mm-hmm. and i think we'll see a lot of changes moving forward yeah good no i agree with you and i hope those I don't know, I hope the media puts those messages out. It's so much about sort of doom and gloom and people say, oh, you know, it's all a bit awful, isn't it? Oh, it's been the worst year of my life. And you think, well, yeah, for some people, I get, you know, there have been real challenges and it's been really, really hard for many people. But I do think some people would just sort of see it as it's all bad. This is a write-off. But actually, if you look at what you've learned, the skills you've learned, the ways you've diversified, the ways you've done things different, be it in your business or in your personal life, 
there are positives to be taken, I think, from this year, I'm sure. Yeah, I think so. I mean, we, we get to see the full spectrum of situations here at Blue Orchid. So, you know, we have seen businesses that survive and, OK, they've, they've, they've accessed some of the government support to help them survive, but they've mm. managed to do it. Mm. But we've seen the other end of that. We've seen the sole trader that's fallen between the cracks of the funding available yeah. from the government that have got nothing mm. and are almost poverty-stricken. And it's terribly, terribly sad. And it's... Mm. On balance, there is good news stories and there are terrible stories. And I think it's important to remember both sides of the spectrum so nobody gets forgotten about. But yeah, most certainly there are success stories. There are people that are managing to put things into practice quickly. Mm. And I think speed is of the essence when we talk about this, whether we're moving into tier three or back down to tier two or from what I'm hearing on the news this morning, maybe even tier four and five. Mm. And the restrictions that come with that, unless we're in full lockdown, I think there are ways to contingency plan for your business to make sure you prepare yourselves and get yourselves ready. Yes, it's going to affect you, but to try and minimise the amount of effect it's going to have on you yeah. where possible. In terms of my advice to any business at the moment, it's we don't really, and I do the same thing as a business person, you, you don't tend to put contingency plans in place or a strategy in place for things happening. When COVID first hit, we literally had to shut our office down and over the course of three days, we became a digital business. Mm -hmm. Everything was online, classroom-based, one-to-one, face-to-face, mm. with an office, a back office full of people running the company. And within three days, we were all based at home. It was probably the most stressful three yeah. days of my life, yeah, yeah. where we were buying extra laptops, making sure we had the technology to operate the office, but from individual homes, yeah. making sure the phone system works. Thankfully, we've got a cloud-based system to allow us to do that. But then, of course, that's just for the back office. Everyone that's used to meeting clients face-to-face -face, now having to understand Zoom, having to understand how to manage clients over the telephone rather than face-to-face. -face. So I think we've done it since then, during that period of time. We've put contingency plans in place. So now, if we have to go back to that, I know very easily yeah. that we could move into all of us working from home again yeah. in a couple of days, and it yeah. won't be stressful. I know that we've got the infrastructure in place to be able to deal with it, and minimise any job losses and minimise anybody that has to reduce their hours because mm. we've got a model that works. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd encourage anybody, as hard as it is, if they've not done that yet, that is something I think they should be looking at. It's contingent plan, no matter what kind mm. of business you are, mm. think about that contingency for your yeah. business. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's come on to talk about the grants because I know you've got quite a few grant opportunities available to businesses of all shapes and sizes and in all sectors. Can you talk through those? Where do you want to start? Well, I'll start by just giving you the initial signpost. It can be a little confusing in terms of the amount of grants that we have for Cheshire and Mornington-based businesses. So I would encourage anybody to go on our website, www.blueorchid.co.uk. Mm -hmm. And on the left-hand side, we've tried to be as clear as we can about what each different grant provides. The most popular ones that we're running at the moment, first one is a capital grant. It's called the COVID Restructure Capital Grant. Now, that provides you with up to £5,000 worth of grant funding towards any capital items that you're looking to purchase for your business, which help you restructure or recover from COVID-19 and also deal with some of these new Tier 3 or Tier 2 restrictions that have been placed on us by the government. So it's roughly around about 80% of your project spend. So, for instance, if you were looking to buy a PPE screen mm -hmm. and you've got a quote, for £100, we could look to process a grant, for example, of £80 towards those costs. Okay. This is a reimbursement grant, mm -hmm. so you must have the cash flow to be able to buy these yourself mm -hmm. first, and then when you've evidenced to us that you've done that, we can then process the grant. 
And does it matter that you've already done it? You've bought them back in March, you've bought them back in June, or is it once you've got the grant, you can then go and buy it? You've got to apply for it first Mm -hmm. via our website. We'll assess you. And if you are scored high enough, i.e. you're in critical need of this equipment, it's here's a competition. There are five rounds. We've just completed round one this week. It's in massive high demand. So you'll make your application and then you'll be scored internally and against everybody else that's applied in that round. Now, what we're looking for here is the, the widest economic impact possible mm. that the grant can go towards. So if you are a business that's employing people, you will score better than if you are a sole trader who doesn't oh, employ anybody. Mm-hmm. So it's really about safeguarding people's jobs. Mm. It's helping people come off the furlough scheme. It's about making sure we can help you put things in place to keep your business surviving through the next three to six months where possible. I see. So it's more about yeah, getting people back into the workplace and keeping them safe within the workplace. So maybe Absolutely. not... And, reco- and recovering yourselves as yeah, well. So yeah. those are two or three important things we look at. Mm. You as a business, so let's have a look at the economic impact. How many staff have you got? How many jobs are at risk? How has COVID impacted you? Perhaps you had to let somebody go, sadly, already. Mm. Let's look at your sales then. How have your sales been affected by COVID-19? And this is the kind of information we ask you for in your application and how we will score you against everybody else in that round. And then if you're lucky enough to score high enough, we will then look at the spend that you're looking to purchase. So if you're looking for perhaps, let's say, laptops to be able to work from home, perhaps you need an iPad because you're a cafe or a restaurant and you need a new iPad to be able to you know, manage your track and trace system. Yeah. You need new screens, PPE screens. Or perhaps it is that you need some building alteration work. Perhaps you need more furniture outdoors at your cafe or your pub or your restaurant. Mm-hmm. So you can house more people outside, outdoor heaters, those large umbrellas that you can buy yeah. all. You know, it's that kind of okay. spend capital items for your business that will help you recover and restructure from COVID-19. Okay, that's good. So as I said, we've completed round one. There are four more rounds happening over the next four to five weeks. All the details are on our website. It's called the Capital Grant. And if you go on our website, there's a weekly Zoom session on a Friday, which I deliver. It's a Q&A session. It's free to attend. If you're thinking about this, if you've heard this today and it's of interest, you'd like to know a little bit more, I'd encourage you to go on the Zoom session. Click the link on the website. I'll take you straight through to it. It's 2.30 p.m. on a Friday and you can ask whatever questions you want and I'll answer them as as best I can. And you're doing those ongoing at the moment on Fridays at 2.30? Well, we're doing them ongoing until the end of round five, which is, I think, middle of December. Okay. If they enter in round one or two and they're not successful, do they have to resubmit the whole application to go into the next round or would that mean they can't? I'm afraid they do, yeah. They, they, They can do it. If you apply on round two, and for whatever reason we reject you because you've not scored high enough in that round, you are more than welcome to reapply under round three, four or five. You can only have one grant per business. Mm. As you can imagine, it's high in demand. You don't yeah. get much government funding for small businesses, capital items. So we launched round one on Wednesday at 12 noon. We were looking for approximately about £200,000 worth of funding we wanted to provide mm-hmm. under that round. And it only took two hours to get that gosh so yeah we've got a million pound in total mm. to provide to businesses that's all going to businesses at some point mm-hmm. towards capital items i'd say we've probably got like i say 200 grams worth done already the next 200 grams worth will be a week on monday at noon all the details will be on the website for you to apply mm. okay good stuff thank you website again is www.blueorchid.co.uk and click on the left hand side where it says 
the capital grant. Capital grant. Cheshire and Warrington capital grant. Okay, great stuff. So let's have a look at a couple of the other grants that you've got as well. In relation to COVID-19, there is another grant, which if you apply for one, you can apply for this one as well. This is called the consultancy grant. So the consultancy grant pays towards costs of you bringing an external consultant into your business to, again, help you recover perhaps your sales or your business generally from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So this will pay... 100% of the cost up to a maximum value of £5,000 for you to bring in an external consultant. Again, like the last one, you have to engage us for your application, get scored. You have to work with us and go through our process before you can start that project. If you've already done that, if you've already started that work, sadly you're ineligible. Right. But if you haven't and you're considering bringing in, let's say, a marketing consultant to help mm. you rebrand, get some new marketing collateral, perhaps you need some new leaflets, some new posters, some signage for your business to help manage your customers, create more confidence in your visitors or customers coming back into your premises. That kind of stuff, that's what we can cover. The next round, there's three rounds of this. We've already done round one. Round two opens on Monday next week at noon, and we'll be looking to secure around about 30% of the budget. Sadly for this one, the budget is small and it's split into two sections. The visitor and tourism sector, Mm. and then we have everybody else. Right. So it's very, very tight, this one. Again, in high demand, but it's very tight. The same kind of scoring applies. It's about how COVID affected your business. It's about job protection. So if you do employ staff and you're based in commercial premises, you will score better than if you're a sole trader that's based from home. Mm-hmm. But it's for that kind of consultancy. So it's not capital at all. It's just consultancy-based projects that we're looking to fund. If I was a business that wanted to use that and to bring in a consultant, do I just bring in any consultant or do I have to go to your pool of consultants? That's a great question. The answer is it's neither of those answers. There's a third answer. <laughs> what you have to do, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> What you have to do, once you've been accepted for grants on this particular program, we have to help you write a tender specification of the services that you're looking to procure. Um, We then have to put it through a procurement process because this grant funding is part funded by the European Regional Development Fund. So there is some European procurement guidelines that we have to follow. Basically, we have to put that tender out for procurement for a period of two weeks and gather at least three quotations for those services, like-for-like quotations. Mm -hmm. Now, it's the business that applies to get to choose who they want to use. Mm -hmm. Our job is to make sure we facilitate with you a fair and transparent and open and honest procurement process. Right. It might be that you've got an idea of who you want to use, Mm -hmm. and you can share the tender opportunity with your network, but they must go through the process. It must be scored openly and honestly. We put due diligence checks in place to make sure that it has been done properly. Mm. And then once you've been to that process, we award you a grant offer letter that says if you spend X amount of money with that consultancy supplier, we will refund you X amount of money back. Right. Now, what I think is really important for your listeners to understand on this grant part is the eligibility because it's slightly different to the capital one. The capital grant, any small business can apply. This one, there are some restrictions and it's based on your sector. So the majority of sectors are eligible for this consultancy grant with the exception of people that are based in horticulture or agriculture-based businesses, those in the production of raw materials or textiles, anybody in the nuclear sector, which I'm not sure if any of your listeners are, but (laughs) I better mention it. But the kicker here is if you're in retail, food and drink, or the hospitality sector, and you are not reliant on tourism for your sales of your business, then you won't be eligible. 
Okay, so if you're in retail or hospitality, you've got to be reliant on your business has basically been negatively affected because you've lost tourism trade, basically. Correct. That's right, yeah. Because one of the stipulations, I'm afraid, on this contract, so I know that's a bit of a pain, we can only work within the parameters of the funding that we have, Mm -hmm. and it's quite a strict rule, that one. So, yeah, for those sectors, if you are retail and you are just generally retail, online retail, for example, wouldn't be eligible. You would find it very difficult to evidence that you're reliant on tourism. Mm, interesting. I wonder if, thinking about our Nantwich, I don't know if you know Nantwich at all, it's a floral market town and we do a lot of events. So what we have lost out on is the Battle of Nantwich in January. We've lost out on the Food and Drink Festival. We've lost out on the Nantwich Agricultural Show. These bring in tens of thousands of visitors. So, of course, all of our shops and all of our hospitality businesses, that's impacted them. But it's tourism in that sort of wider context, events in the town that bring people in. Would that mean they yeah, would be eligible? Yeah, I mean, what they would have to be able to sign to say is that at least 50% of their turnover, mm. their sales, is reliant on tourism. Mm. Anyone that can sign something that says, yes, that does, they would be mm. eligible. Right. I can't go into the, the grant. There's obviously other scoring mechanisms yeah, in place. Yeah. But that rule's in place. Now, for instance, if there's an organisation that's running your food and drink festivals, if mm-hmm. that's their organisation's role, there's, there's an argument to say, yes, they are reliant on tourism because they're creating a tourism event mm. and if there is no tourism, they've been impacted. So the organisation that organises the event would probably have a strong case there. Your local shops, however, they would have to evidence or stipulate that tourism is something that they rely on for at least 50% of their mm. income. Interesting because all of those events I mentioned are all completely run by volunteers. There's not a single pay person really? in any of those big events. They're all run by volunteers. Which is amazing, which is really, really good. And it's a shame. I, I, I'd hate to think that like, I'm coming on here today to say, well, you know, no one's looking at that group. I'm sure the people are. Oh, yeah, the yeah. We don't have those yeah. digital contracts to operate. Mm. If we did, I'd love to come back and, and have these conversations with mm. you and work with you all week. Mm. We, we as a company, as you can imagine, we're speaking to hundreds, if not thousands of businesses every oh, week. Yeah, I can well imagine. And mm. there are some people we can help. There are some people we just simply mm. haven't got the funding to be able to do. We try and do some free things for everybody online, but advice only gets you so far. You know, the, grand, the reason why they're in high demand is people need the money. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in terms of we may have reacted by going digitally, what a lot of businesses need at the moment is to make key purchases to keep their businesses operating. Yeah, yeah. But they don't want to spend the money. Because they've got cash flow concerns yeah. quite Don't quite right around the corner, yeah. So what we're able to do there is unlock that for them, yeah. In as many cases as we can, by saying, "Well, what, yeah, spend that money on that iPad. Go and have your building alterations work done because we'll give you this amount of money back mm. when you've done it." And that just creates a bit more of a confidence in businesses that they can actually make these investments yeah. they need to keep the businesses going. But it's tough. It's really tough. Paul, what do you say? I mean, I I run. A non-profit organisation, Redshift, and I'm also involved with some of those events that I mentioned that were all charitable non-profit events. And it takes time to write an application. I'm writing one at the moment for one of my organisations. It takes a lot of time. What ballpark figure of time would you say these businesses need to invest to get their application written? And obviously it would depend on information they've got around them and, and how well they know who their business and what they need to buy. If you had to put your finger in the air, what are people listening thinking like, I can spare that time. Well, I can actually give you a very specific response to that question because we've, because everything's digital now, we can see how long people are spending doing applications before they submit them to us. Okay. So I can give you an exact figure. The average time someone's spending completing our application for our funding is 15 minutes. Okay, that's good. It's not too intrusive. We're not Mm -hmm. asking for war and peace. 
we're actually asking you to get right down to nitty gritty straight away. Tell us about your business. Tell us how you are struggling. Tell us what you need and how much you want to spend on it. And the rest of it will work out. Right. Now, I'd say you need about 20 minutes, half an hour prep time to prepare yeah. yourself. Yeah. Coming on the Zoom sessions is about an hour, but you can dial out of those as quick as you want. Mm-hmm. You know, once you've got your answers, yeah. you can disappear. A lot of people do that. But it's about the preparation. If you get the information that we tell you that we need on the Zoom sessions ready, mm. on average, it's taking about 15 minutes for people to complete either one of those applications. Great. That's good to know. That's really good to know. Did you mention you had a couple of other grants that you wanted to talk about? Or was it just those two in the moment? So, yeah, they're the two COVID the grants responding to COVID-19. For general business development grants, we have launched, probably we've just closed the doors on this one. We had an energy efficiency grant program, which was very, very popular to help you reduce your carbon footprint. So it was for larger businesses predominantly that, you know, perhaps have a plant or quite large offices that might have wanted to invest in LED lights, new boilers, solar panels, a variety of different ways to reduce CO2 emissions for the business. So that's run quite successfully over the last 12 months. We have a separate consultancy grant program. It's not as good as the COVID one. It offers 33% back as a reimbursement grant to your mm-hmm. business. But that's for general business growth. Okay. So whereas the one I've mentioned today with you has been about COVID-19. Yeah. We have a separate one called the Access to Finance and Growth Grant Program. Again, all the details are on the website. Yeah. Yeah. You can apply for grant funding of 33% of the cost to help you bring in external consultants up to a value of £15,000. The value is higher, but the grant intervention rate is lower. Again, yeah. that's funded by the European Regional Development Fund with eligibility restrictions that apply and a process that we take you through. But that's available until the end of next year. Okay. That was something that was there before COVID-19 happened. Yeah. Of course, there's not many businesses considering growth at the moment. Everyone's mm. thinking about survival. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's kind of there floating in the background. Yeah. We can deal with applications. We can do it all digitally for you. But as you can well imagine, the majority of demand at the moment is going for one of the two okay. COVID-19 grants we're providing. Okay. Right then. Well, we've come to the end of our time. We've got 30 minutes there we've been chatting about. Blue Orchid and the grants and such like. Thank you very, very much indeed for your time. In the last 30 seconds to one minute, just tell people, do us your one minute's pitch. Tell us who you are and how you can help people and add your contact details on at the end, please. If you are looking for support, if you're looking for money to help you make purchases or bring somebody into your business to help you through this really awkward situation we've been forced into by this pandemic, if you've never accessed public sector funding before, please just go to the website in the first instance. Go to www blueorchid.co.uk please join the zoom session on a friday at 2 30 p.m and you can hear more from me about what these grants do how likely it is whether or not you're going to get a grant or not i don't want you to waste your time by thinking oh i don't apply i don't fit that criteria i'll never get a grant please come on the zoom session please come and ask the questions it's as open as honest as i've tried to be today and let's have that conversation. And if we think it's worthwhile, let's get you connected and make an application. You don't need to go on your own with it. We are there to help. Super. Thank you very, very much indeed, Paul. It's been great talking to you. I really do appreciate your time. And we'll make sure we get this out as far and wide as we can through our business network here in uh, well, South Cheshire and slightly beyond. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. You're very welcome. Thank you. You're listening to Business Day with me, Liz Parkin, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network. Each episode, I'll talk to a different business about what makes them tick. So whether you're a startup, you've been in business a number of years, or you're a large multinational, I'd love to hear from you. Business Day is sponsored by Hibbert Solicitors, Cheshire's leading law firm. Visit hibberts.com or call 01270 624 225.